people say that I have shed innocent blood. What's blood for, if not for shedding? I, I just can't take no pleasure in killing. Just some things you gotta do. Don't mean you have to like it. There's nothing to worry about. You're gonna be just fine. I'm your number one fan. Welcome to another edition of Horrifying My Friends. I'm a horror host, Trav. Joining me, as always, is producer Kate. Hey. And making her first appearance on the show, the niece of Creature, Kiera on Fear Street. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> a lot of buildup. So, like I said, niece of Creature. We've really, really grown as a niece and an uncle in this past year, and I fucking loved it. And I was like, I got to get Kiki on the show at some point. You were like busting my balls the other day about like, you were like, am I ever going to be on your show or whatever? <laughs> so this, ladies and ghouls, is I would consider my protege. Uh, <laughs> one of my most very favorite people on this earth. Um, you see, listeners, this is the monster that I created. <laughs> Travis Frankenstein himself. Um, so Kiki, first thing I want to do is... Like, get kind of like an interview style. Like, what are your earliest memories of horror? If that's, like, attached to me and Rose, I believe it is. You know it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know, like, Child's Play was a big movie. That's my you. earliest memory. Mm-hmm. It was when you and Rose were laying in bed, and I wasn't watching it at first. I was bothering you. I think you guys were, like, making out or something. <laughs> oh, please. And I just kept on, like, jumping on you, and Rose was like, just watch the movie, Kiki. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna listen to this back and but be it's like, "It's a scary movie," mm-hmm. and I was watching it anyway, mm-hmm. and I thought it was funny, and it was it was Child's Play, and it was the scene when Chucky was going down the elevator, and then he like called her the B word or something yeah. when she was calling him like an ugly doll. Oh, the um, yeah, uh, the fireplace, right? Yeah, like the fireplace. No, not the, the fireplace. Elevator. When. Remember, like, the really tall stairs, and that one lady was like, that's an ugly doll. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he has a bunch of, like, cool one-liners in those first couple movies. Um, But like I said, it seems that I've created a monster. So I wanted to get, like, movies that have scared you because, like I said, you're kind of like my protege in a way. Like, you've kept on watching horror and stuff. But what what are some of those movies that, like, stick out as you've grown a little bit older? What are you now, like, 16 and a half, right? Mm -hmm. So what are some of the, like, the heavy hitter horror movies of the last couple years that you've, like, loved? Like, scared me or just good? Yeah, like, scared you or just good. I really like Dead Silence. Mm, the James Wan picture. Mm-hmm. And as we're talking, I don't know if you checked it out or not, but his new movie, Malignant, just came out. I but, was supposed to watch that. Mm-hmm. It's it's a different style. Yeah, for we'll, sure. we'll have a review of that um, here soon. I yeah. really want to watch it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a different style than James Wan's like regular stuff. You know, like you mentioned, Dead Silence and like The mm-hmm. Conjuring and Insidious. I love but it's, Insidious. It's way more like over the top, like craziness than you know he's usually usually used to doing. So one of the things that we bonded over, you were like living with us for a while, and mm-hmm. it was like the coolest thing ever. But 
like the what are some of your favorite one thing we bonded over was like creepy pastas mm -hmm. and the british guys talking like this and they were like she came home and there was a serial killer in the garage little and did she know <laughs> yeah and then it's like a long pause yeah. and it's like i'm right behind you yeah. it's like little did she know a killer was in the trash and i'm like they're always british are you, from, are you from new zealand <laughs> <laughs> what was that this is my like laugh by the way because like i've been sick for like a year now so like when i laugh it hurts my lungs and ribs so yeah, i've did like he know <laughs> i put an insect in his food last week she put arsenic in my food <laughs> But like no, like uh, every time I so I have to laugh like goofy. Uh, but some, what are some of those? Like I texted you this morning and I was like, "Come prepared, because I'm gonna ask you some of your favorite creepy pastas." You don't have to read them, but what are some of your favorites? That is definitely not what you texted me, but luckily for you. you what did I you say? said, oh, yeah, I'm going to ask you about creepypastas, by the way. Yeah, where did you, so where did you discover creepypastas and shit? Is that just, like, one of those things that... No, I was looking up YouTube videos because my mom was telling me, she was just telling me about something, and I was trying to watch an educational video, mm -hmm. but... Something else came up. It was mm -hmm. like this picture of a girl smiling and it looked really creepy. And it looked like the videos for like Japanese urban legends that I would watch a lot. Mm -hmm. Was it the Momo? Mm -mm. Was it that? Mm -mm. You remember when you had that fucking toy? Which and I'm one? saying the F word a lot today. I, I apologize, Kiki. When you had that toy um, that when you were at um, Pawpaw's. And the toy was like asking you stuff. Are you talking about Talking Angela? Oh my on my God. tablet? Yes. And it would be like, it would cuss me out and stuff. Yeah. So the, this was one of the, and the, the Momo was like kind of like that as well. But this was one of those like tablet games. You would like download these games and then like the tablet was just like, where do you live? Where's your social security number? There was a number? huge conspiracy <laughs> was about like, that. There was like a guy that would watch the kids yeah, in the app. Yeah. Yeah, like, uh, yeah. yeah, it you was like, know. it was like, um, like creepy people. I like, remember Rose took up. my tablet and she was like, yeah, no. And I thought she was mad at me and she yeah. was like, I'm so disappointed. And I thought she was disappointed in me, mm -hmm. but she wasn't disappointed in me. Yeah. Cause Rose was like, and then they were asking Rose, like, what's your name and stuff like that. When mm -hmm. they would hear her voice, mm -hmm. it was weird yeah but like the, the like how so that's how you came across it on youtube what are some of your favorites there's one called eating disorder mm -hmm. i really love that one what's the what's the summary like what's the premise the it summary? starts it starts in the summer of 96 so basically <laughs> there's like this girl and she's super jealous of her like her friends at work mm -hmm. and <clears throat> She's trying to lose weight because she feels like they get promotions because they're skinnier than her. Mm -hmm. So basically, this whole thing is like her document mm -hmm. from this is her record of w how she got into an insane asylum. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I don't know how they're getting human meat in my food. Like she would go out to eat and there would be like a thumb in her food. Mm -hmm. And she like went all the way out of town and she was like finding pieces of brain in her food. Oh, my. And she's like, I don't understand. Why is there human meat in my food? Mm -hmm. And then she like <laughs> takes like a long pause. And then she's like, it finally makes sense to me. If there's human inside of my food, the only place I can find food 
is inside of humans. Mm, <laughs> it was amazing. I loved every second of it. Yeah, they're like short little, and, and if and if people, if anybody's out there, like, what the fuck's a creepy pasta? Like, creepy pastas are like short little stories online that popped up in like Reddit or something like that, and a lot of them are like quite good. Like, I know the TV show uh, Channel Zero came from the basis of a creepypasta. It came uh, from Candle Cove. Candle Cove, yeah. yeah. Have you ever heard of Candle Cove? Candle Cove is so Mm-mm. good. That's one of my Dude, favorite ones ever. That one is creepy as hell. So but some creepypastas are like long. Yeah. Like hours. And Candle Cove was pretty long. Mm-mm. Candle like, Cove was only like 16 minutes. That's not bad. But it's yeah. so good. It's like uh, Candle Cove is like uh, these kids are talking about, or these people are sitting around much like we're doing, and they're talking about growing up. And they're like, what are some of your favorite shows? And they're like, uh, I like this one called Candle Cove that we used to watch growing up. And I think the parents are like, how does it go? Like the parents are like, you were watching Static. or It was like a TV show that only the kids could see. It was like only certain kids could see it. Mm -hmm. And they were all like texting each other on the internet and they were like hey do you guys remember candle cove mm-hmm. and they were like oh yeah it would come out on like a really weird time on like a really weird show mm-hmm. and there was like a couple of episodes where there was this little girl and she was just like screaming at mm-hmm. the tv and there was a doll that was made out of human skin and it wouldn't like open and close its mouth mm-hmm. it would like grind its teeth to talk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sounds like a show that i'd like when i was growing up but yeah like we both love these creepy pastas. I think there's another one that like where the kid is or where the killer is like standing in the room and he's just smiling. I think it's like something the smile or something. Are you like talking that. about Jeff the Killer? Jeff the Killer, yes. That's a that's that a one very, is so very popular good. one too. I love that one. Is that just like a killer watching them sleep? I no, think he was like this little kid, and he would like get this feeling like he would get so mad, mm-hmm. and he would get like this overwhelming. He would just describe it as a feeling and he would just want to hurt people. Mm-hmm. And I think that he beat up like some bullies in his neighborhood that were messing with his little brother. And his mom was friends with their mom. So they were invited to his birthday party. And long story short, they caught Jeff on fire mm-hmm. and he went to the hospital and like that just like it made him snap. He turned slasher after that. Yeah. Like he cut a smile into his face and he cut his eyelids off so that whenever he would look in a mirror, like he would never have to stop looking at his face. Mm-hmm. And then he just like killed his family. See, this is why I'm afraid of Gen Z. <laughs> so but the he, movie- like, comes in your window and stares at you in your sleep. That's the story. <laughs> That'd be killer. So the movie that I've chosen for this uh, Gen Z year here is 1931's Frankenstein. Directed by James Well. So this is the period of the show when I'll talk for a little bit and then we'll open up and talk about Frankenstein. Some films from this period simply don't hold up to me, but all of Wales absolutely do. Um, An openly gay man when in 1931 when that was like unheard of in the professional setting and stuff um, an absolute legend of a director who brought us genre classics such as Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, The Old Dark House, and Invisible Man. Uh, synopsis dr frankenstein dares to tamper with life and death by creating a human monster out of lifeless body parts starring colin clive as henry frankenstein may clark as elizabeth lavinza john bales as victor mortiz and boris karloff sorry as the monster an absolute legend of legends um he 
was in the Black Cat with Bela Lugosi, Black Sa- uh, Mario Bava's Black Sabbath, The Terror, The Raven, The Mummy, uh, Bride of Frankenstein, The Old Dark House. You could list these forever. Just an absolute icon. Um, we'll bring up him, I'm sure, as we go along. Some quick fast facts about this film. Uh, Mary Shelley wrote the novel when she was only 18 and traveling across Switzerland. So this came about, um, they were like snowed in from a volcanic snowstorm, which I don't know what that is. It's like Uh, an ash storm. Right. Yeah, like Silent Hill, I guess. So they were like kind of snowed in. They didn't have anywhere to go. And there was like a game that they were playing where they were writing horror stories. And Mary Shelley created the basis for what would become Frankenstein. Um, the monster in this film does not physically resemble the character in her novel, however. Um, it was makeup artist Jack Pierce, which we brought up in the uh, Cake Face episode, who came up with the innovations of this monster's look, such as the bolts in the neck, you know, the eyelid, like the droopy eyes, um, the suit, you know, the boots. The boots that he wore were ones that, like, workers, which worked on, like, fresh tar and stuff in the streets would wear. Um, and like these physical abnormalities, uh, like that Pierce created really, really made this monster, the most, I- one of the most iconic monsters of all time. Um, the calling of the monster, the name Frankenstein actually dated back to the late 19th century. Uh, it became fashionable to call the creature and the doctor the same name because they saw them as like kind of the same character or mirrors of the same person. Um, Frankenstein has obviously made the leap, you know, the Frankenstein monster, excuse me, has obviously made the leap to comics, you know, the monster Frankenstein Marvel, uh, other books, you know, pop culture. Like I said, it's hard not to like Frankenstein is just so ingrained in all of us, you know, the, just the look of that creature. And that all came from this film, really. Um, this was the first film ever to use the famous castle thunder sound effect, you know, that like famous, like, you know, that fucking creepy ass thunder. Um, after its use in Frankenstein, it was used in Citizen Kane, Bambi, Young Frankenstein, Star Wars, Ghostbusters, you know, Back to the Future, um, Hanna-Barbera ca- cartoons such as Scooby-Doo, um, and also you still used to this day at the Haunted Mansion attraction uh, at Disney at Disney parks or whatever. After bringing the monster to life, Dr. Frankenstein uttered the famous line, Now I know what it's like to be gods, or be God. Um, The movie was originally released with this line of dialogue, but in the late 30s, uh, when it was re-released and stuff, censors demanded it have it removed. You know, obviously, you know, it's like, okay. Um, A clean (laughs) recording, they put like like a thunder over it, I believe, and a clean recording was found later on. They thought it was lost forever, but a clean recording was actually found on a Vitaphone disc, and that's similar to a large phonograph record, and modern technology allowed them to insert it back in. The method of animating the creature is never discussed in the Mary, Mary Shelley's novel. Um, a few differences, you know, like the ending in the novel is a little bit different. The creature decides to kind of float out to sea on this ice raft kind of thing and kind of like deal with his own self. Um, in this one, we obviously will talk about what happens. This, this last fast fact is to kind of use, like kind of differentiate the novel to the movie. I didn't want to focus so much on the novel because they're different entities, you know, kind of like the, no- the novel and the movie are equally iconic, you know, so to speak. But yeah, that's all I have for trivia and fast facts. So now it's time to put the guest of honor 
on the hot seat. Kiera, what is your initial reaction to this film? You don't have to give me a rating or whatever, but what are some of your initial thoughts, you know? I did not see the wedding. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I... My initial thoughts, like, in the beginning or my initial thoughts when the credits rolled? Well, in the beginning, I knew you were bored. No, I wasn't like, bored. <laughs> you it's were like, just, I've well, watched, I need some Takis. <laughs> no. I've watched so many YouTube videos about mm-hmm. classic horror movies that, like, I've seen a lot of the scenes before, but, yeah. like, without the audio. I really liked the way that they talk. It's very soothing. Mm-hmm. They talk. They kind of talk. Not like that, but it's like, well, then marry them. Kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> very crisp. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. very crisp. And yeah. they pronunciate. And it was in black and white. I liked that. Do you like the black and white, like stylistically? I do. Mm-hmm. You know, it started off as like a funeral. Mm-hmm. And the bell thing. The bell thing was throwing me off. The guy that was holding the bell. Because mm-hmm. I've never seen one of those before. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that's for. <laughs> uh, like a procession, right? Like a funeral procession or whatever. Um, I'm sure that there's there's some um, sort of ceremonial sort of ritualistic kind of thing to that Mm -hmm. um, from back in back in that day. But I have no clue why they did it. Probably something religious. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Kate, what is your initial reaction? Have you ever seen this before? Um, So actually, I've never seen it all the way through. Like you, I've just grown up in American pop culture and just known that monster. Mm hmm. When I was, I have seen, however, Young Frankenstein, which mm. is spoof comedy. Um, have you seen that, Kira? Also Young, fantastic. Have you by seen the way. Young Frankenstein? It's I probably have. Um, well, anyway, I've seen that, and it mirrors very closely mm. <laughs> the first, uh, I'd say, first quarter of the film. Uh, mirrors it pretty closely, um, just with the, the the cavernous, you know laboratory mm-hmm. and the the stealing of the bodies and the, the snatching of the abnormal brain and mm-hmm. all I these like things it. um even all the way up to like raising the body on this platform all the way up to the ceiling to be elect- electrified by lightning um you know like the light of god or whatever mm-hmm. he wanted to call it um so like all of that seemed very familiar just simply because i've seen young frankenstein <laughs> Yeah, and it's kind but, of like, and see, everything that you just mentioned came from this movie. And it's right. like, none of that was in the novel. Yeah. So it's like, it's almost like they're two different, you know, totally different entities, you know, all together. Uh, so Kiki, do you think that, and this is one of the, re- this is the main reason why I had uh, someone of your age on to talk about a movie from 1931. And it's to do with these monsters. So these original horror monsters, you know, they're called the Universal Monsters. And it's Frankenstein, Dracula... Creature from the Black Lagoon, Invisible Man, Phantom of the Opera, you know, like so on, so on, The Mummy. But do these monsters hold up? Like, do you, do you, do they still work for, for you guys? And I, this is to both of you guys. I think it does. Mm-hmm. I think that you would just have to like, you know, change the dialogue a little bit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like the thing that's scary about it is... It's he's kind of like a big baby, like mm-hmm. a big yeah. newborn baby. And that's so one like of the special things, be, right? Yeah, but you can't be mad at him. Mm-hmm. I think like that's another like moral thing that you you have like you can't even be mad about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and you, you have to I mean? yeah, and you have to factor in what happens to him. He is this big baby, essentially yeah. just mm-hmm. been born, and they have left him in a room, in a dark room alone. Right. Like in the most that's the most neglectful thing you can do to 
a newborn and like mm-hmm. um and and then they go beyond that once he finally is this is a scene i really really liked when when they when he finally kind of got brave enough to venture into the lab where frankenstein his daddy and <laughs> mm-hmm. the other doctor are uh he sees the moonlight they open up the sort of the skylight or whatever you want to call it and he sees the moonlight and he reaches up for it um and then when they close it, he reaches out to Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, his, you know, his daddy, the first face he probably ever saw, you know, mm-hmm. and he is met with, you know, just sit down. There's no, there's no kindness, no touch, no comfort coming to him at any point. And then they, like when he acts out, when he's in fear of the fire, then they like chain him up. He doesn't know. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand what's going on. Why they're doing this? They're beating him, tormenting him, um, taunting him with the fire, and just like keeping him in a state of fear. Like it's an ab- abusive mm-hmm. situation for this monster. Like you kind of feel empathy for him, but he's killed a little girl, even though it was an accident. Um, and so you you kind of are empathizing with the townsfolk as well. Um, and so it's like it's all about this kind of complicated like human emotions. Um, and so I think this monster is kind of evergreen in that, like, you can relate it to, you know, a new life, like a little baby and a little toddler, like a kid. Like, if you abuse them and neglect them and you treat them this way, they're they, you mm-hmm. could be creating a monster. Mm-hmm. Or you can love them and nurture them. And you could have a whole other outcome, you know? No, for sure. For sure. 100% agreed. I think one of the things, too, that, like, because um, the only... The only other movie, like monster movie, as far as the universal monster characters go, that we had gotten like before this or at the same time as this was Dracula. And it's like, obviously, Dracula, much different character, less sympathetic. He is, you know, targeting people. Yeah, but like, his brain is also like the brain of a criminal. And like, he he hangs, he hangs um, Frankenstein's little like helper. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, you know, he knows how to do that. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he mauled him. Yeah. He hung him. Mm-hmm. So, like, to an extent, uh, it, it it seems like what he knows how to do, like, knows mm-hmm. genuinely. You know what I Did, mean? Yeah, like he, criminal, knows how, he knows yeah. how to fight. He knows how to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, we know it's a, a killer's brain. Yeah, um, but, and that's, like, kind of a brain has muscle memory kind of like that's kind of yeah. what they're getting at with putting this brain into this really powerful body. I don't know why they would have built a body so huge and powerful that could easily overcome them. Like but, that was just dumb. But um, on top of that, this kind of gets into a question of like, is anyone born criminal? That's like, exactly what I was about to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things where it's like, because there's like moments where he acts like he's just like a little kid yeah especially the moment when he comes upon the little girl yeah. maria mm-hmm. and she's showing him flowers and like see see how the flowers flow and, and it seems so genuine yeah and he's feeling some joy and curiosity and um unfortunately he doesn't throw the little girl in because he wants to kill her he throws her in because he's curious to see if she floats like the flowers do you know and mm-hmm. it's just this pursuit of knowledge because he's been deprived of so much um and it's like animalistic things yeah that he has instinctual yeah so did you feel bad for the character like frankenstein because you said it was very sad yes because i feel bad for frankenstein's monster yeah frankenstein's monster sorry i feel like <laughs> frankenstein is a 
douche. Yeah, <laughs> Frankenstein's a dickhead. Yeah. Because, like, how are you going to blame him when he was basically just reborn? He's in a body that's made out of, that's, like, just stitched together. You're already treating him bad. He can't, like, he's like a baby. Yeah, you I think you I mean? guys are hitting on, like, a... Like the tragicness of this character, it's like I'm sorry, yeah. I keep on repeating myself. No, you're good, <laughs> <laughs> you're good. But like the themes are strong in this, so I'm sure we will like repeat ourselves, you know, from time to time. But like this is a character, this is a monster that never asked to be created, like in the first place, and that's where he differentiates. Uh, like it, it makes him different. From, I don't even think it's that because like the, no one asks to be created. It's more so like right. Frankenstein never gets held accountable for creating him. Right. That's what bothers me. Right, playing God and doing what yeah, he Yeah, they're, they're toasting to his future little mm-hmm. son that he's supposed to be yeah. impregnating his wife with, like, at the end. Mm-hmm. It's really, yeah. like, tragic that he's not held accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that the monster, for an innocent act that he realized... Yeah, after after he noticed the little girl wasn't moving, like then he realized he felt so bad. Like you could tell that he felt bad, and he started mm-hmm. panicking. Yeah. So there's, like he he has a heart. Like yes, it's a criminal brain, but it's almost like it's his brain. Mm-hmm. You know what Reborn, I mean? Reborn. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it seems like it's being reused, but there's certain things because it's already been used that he just does. Yeah. It's got a. It's a criminal like this criminal i'm sure like was very adept at you know running and hiding from people pursuing him um very physically able to overpower people um just like knows how to fight and defend himself like and that's what i'm getting at with like the whole muscle memory Mm -hmm. thing Mm -hmm. but at no point does franken the frankenstein's monster actually like with the exception of fritz i can't think of anyone he purposefully actually killed he hurt people well frankenstein he, he tried to kill him but can you even be mad at him for no that? Well, i don't know if he was trying to kill him actually because he could have killed him up in the mountains and he didn't he mm-hmm. hauled him away to his home where he was born and mm-hmm. he was trying to keep him from escaping i think i like if you ask me i don't think he was going to kill him i think he just wanted to keep him there do you think he wanted to die and with can you blame him i don't know if i don't know if he had the capacity to think like that mm-hmm. At this point, I think he like his instinct was that's my daddy, and I want to keep him here with me in my home where maybe he felt like he was safe. Um, but, this movie's heartbreaking to me, man. Yeah, like this but, movie really hit me like I, this time. Yeah, I was gonna give a couple other examples of where he doesn't he chooses not to kill someone, so he breaks in, probably not really even knowing what he's the doing, wife, but he breaks in to the his the fiance Elizabeth Elizabeth's room. And he scares her, and she faints, but he doesn't hurt her. Mm-hmm. I think he just runs just, away. He just thought she was pretty. Well, well, I thought that he just thought she was pretty. Like he was making the the eyes at her, and he's like, <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know. I think maybe he was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think he had opportunity to kill her if he wanted to, and he didn't. So I feel like he was maybe curious about her when he came in, and then she started screaming, and like that's his kind of trauma response when he hear, hears somewhat loud noises, bright lights. Mm-hmm. Fi- like fire all these things like trigger him in a way where he just that's when he reacts and he again he didn't kill her the man in the he mountain- went away yeah he ran mm-hmm. he runs away the man in the mountains 
he hurt him because the guy was attacking him, but he well, didn't kill him. And he's big. Like, but he might have just fucking plowed over that guy, you yeah. know? Yeah. But with Elizabeth, people were coming after him. Like, you could hear people at the door. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Because she started screaming, and you could hear the people like, oh, he's after Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. But I still, I feel like he was just making goo goo eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but regardless, like, that's kind of my point is like, yes, is this brain criminal? Like, one, there's no science to that, actually. Mm-hmm. There are with like psychopaths. Mm-hmm. They've, they've studied psychopaths in prison who have been, you know, caught. Um, and there are the ones that haven't been caught. There, there <laughs> is, there is like some sort of. <laughs> element to like their brain and their chemistry or whatever that makes them like more likely to be like violent criminals like that Mm -hmm. but um it's not something you i don't think you can just see on the uh, you know on the gray matter of the brain you know that's a good point like we never question his accuracy he was just big and scared and he -hmm. had already learned these people are trying to hurt me and I'm not even doing anything. So we had to like defend himself. Yeah. He's like a big toddler at this point. So like, we don't really know how much time has passed between when he created the monster and when shit kicked off. I just kind of looked at him and I was like, okay, he's kind of, he's reacting like a toddler would to a lot of things. And to me, like that's the stage of where his brain was in development. And yeah, whether or not you believe a brain can be criminal, like certainly neural pathways are created and you know, criminals can be created by mm-hmm. how you you treat them and the environments they're in and all mm-hmm. these things but um yeah it, that's we're sitting here debating it because that's what this movie and this story does i do want to bring up uh like we had uh, sorry to cut you off there kate mm-hmm. um so we've been talking about like the character of the monster frankenstein but like one of the things i really wanted to emphasize again was like the like the greatness of Bor- boris Karloff in this movie is it's like the sensitivity, you know, the uh, mm-hmm. like all the uh, tenderness and stuff that we see in this big monster comes 100% from him. It's like, you know, he, he is fucking awesome in this movie in a nonverbal kind of quiet in a talky role. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a talky movie. But it's just like some of these, a lot of these iconic scenes, like, like I said, this hit me pretty hard this time because it's like the ultimate... Kind of like one of the ultimate outsider stories, or at least this is like what my take on it. You know, we've been talking about themes for a while. Um, and it's like this movie, one of those examples, literally, like you say, grab the pitchforks, you know, and stuff like that mm-hmm. and the torches. It's like literally people are afraid of what they don't understand. You, you mentioned like the big and hulking monster. And it's like he walks into a room, people are going to be afraid of him like mm-hmm. immediately. And it's like he is so sensitive and baby-like because, and got like abandoned. He was betrayed. Yeah, he was betrayed by his father, 100%. Like, like, but right off the bat, though, mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. right after birth, he was like, yeah, no, take a seat. Mm-hmm. Okay, go in this room. Yeah, and one could argue that God kind of does that, if you believe in God. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> he creates yeah. all of us and just leaves, it, leaves well, us to it. But, like, uh, you I, know, I want to touch on what, what you is. just said, though, because mm-hmm. um, the hands up scene when he opens and shows the moon. And the creature is, like, a very, very brilliant scene by Boris. Like, mm-hmm. he, like, holds his hands up into the light and, like, looks up. And I felt like that. Like, I watched a few documentaries and stuff on this film. And, like, people were taking that as, like, okay, that thematically kind of saying, like, he's either, one, asking God for a soul or asking God why. And then he reaches out to his father, like, do you want me or like, you know, what is my place here kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I felt like that scene was like 
hard hitting, man. I, I said yeah, heavy he hitting. Trying earlier. to catch the sky. Yeah. You, I thought he was trying the to catch the sky. I think he was. In, <laughs> I think he was in. He was in a state of awe. It's yeah. the first time he'd ever seen something. Mm-hmm. Well, I thought like that. Like, that since yeah. That's where he came down from. Mm-hmm. That he was trying to catch it. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but you know, maybe like, like babies do that. Babies reach up. My baby used to stare at ceiling fans like it was the most the most amazing thing. Like if you, if he has a baby brain, like yeah, I. I think I would see it more like that personally than to see it as like he woke up and his brain is functioning as it was before he died, you know, and he has all this like cognitive ability. I don't believe that to be true based on everything else that happens in the film. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, especially that scene with the little girl Mm -hmm. tells me he's not got any kind of cognitive, you know, functioning like frontal lobe functioning. That's That's the point I was trying to make with like the criminal brain thing, because it doesn't make sense for you to have a criminal brain but to genuinely be like that is it innate yeah. and animalistic though to look for like a father like a father yes figure? i think not an animalistic or is no it? i said is it like i think so or like a to higher look, power to, a wi- i mean to feel vulnerable and to look for some someone mm-hmm. to protect you yes i think that's a human thing um that's why we're all born with our babies and they're like their biological evolutionary response as babies is to cry until you pick them up because then they feel safe you know and like there there have been actual very unethical nowadays but back in the day you know when they didn't care so much about ethics they did these studies of um, baby monkeys have you heard of this no. Was um, that like in Faces of Death when they like, put <laughs> no, a monkey so, in the middle of the table? So basically, what did they, they do to the monkeys. So basically, researchers did these experiments. They had these baby monkeys, and baby monkey, one baby <laughs> monkey. Um, though they were taken away from their mothers, and one baby monkey um, was given access to a soft, like they put like a little fleece or something around it, um, just a form, uh, like that it would that he could hug. You know, mm-hmm. and it was and it was soft, and then they gave the other monkey um, a form that was just wire, mm-hmm. and that's what it like would cling to, um, and so it's like you. It was a study about basically the kind of neglect and lack of you know comfort and warmth and um, I guess parental <laughs> I don't know like a, a parental kind of figure and whether or not these poor little animals felt safe and the the one that just had the hard wire form was more messed up by the end you know and, and go on <laughs> i cling to robocop i saw robocop and looked up but anyway not to you know beat the dead horse with the whole frankenstein's monster thing but i i would like to discuss if you guys want to um is to discuss dr frankenstein and his okay. god complex yes and this, i would love to yeah go ahead that bothered me is he hashtag toxic hashtag hashtag toxic masculinity <laughs> hashtag irritating hashtag full of himself hashtag, hashtag. cool hashtag no because <laughs> this is almost a whole other theme very connected to the ones we've kind of covered but mm-hmm. um what you've got and he says this he's like um the electrical secrets of heaven like so he has this like reckless and arrogant um desire and like he and there's this pursuit of this kind of greater more powerful knowledge that as humans personally i don't think we're entitled to in any way but he feels like entitled to it like like he says something like why why else are we here but to search for right like, hi, more answers and you know whatever and sometimes you don't get to know everything and so he's 
He seems he's like... got a pure God complex. He says like it's alive, it's alive. Now I know what it feels like to be go- to be God. It's um, alive, it's alive. And yeah, so you've got this like dangerous kind of pursuit of knowledge happening not just with dr yeah. frankenstein though but with the monster as well yeah. like because he's unsupervised <laughs> it seems like his pursuit of knowledge ends up killing a little girl who is the real monster oh frankenstein not the monster but frankenstein mm. did away what? yeah <laughs> <laughs> like i feel like knowledge is my like... laugh is the real monster <laughs> <laughs> i feel like like intelligence and like the pursuit of knowledge is valued so it's like such a big part of the movie though because you mm-hmm. know scientists had the brain other scientists took the brain other scientists is like obsessed with life and the meaning of life and what's my purpose in being here it, it almost seemed like he felt like he needed to be something great like he wanted his existence to be something great because he didn't understand existence like everybody has their own thoughts on what the meaning of life is and mine are just i think that i'm here to be happy mm-hmm. but that's me personally other people feel like they're here to learn something for the next life or like some people feel like we're just here to be here and it seemed like he felt like his purpose in particular was to be something inhuman like something his, yeah so his goal is to create life as god mm-hmm. does and yeah. as a like man he wanted to be a god though like not not you know what i yeah. mean like not like a christian god mm-hmm. but like just a god mm-hmm. yeah well i you could you could argue either way a god or the christian god but at the end of the day this movie's book ended very purposefully so it starts with him seeking to create as god does and to by creating this life from death essentially and then it ends with um the his father um saluting you know and cheersing to um another son Mm-hmm. for the frankenstein family or whatever with a bunch of beautiful women right writers. and so what what it's ending with is he he always had the power you know as a man with functioning sperm to to help create life that is very true to help create a new life and and it is an amazing and some like a miraculous thing like to to bring a soul to help be to create a child like it is a thing it's it like seems the- like he wants admiration Right. For being smart enough and being brilliant enough and for being able to have the power to create life without having... you know, He said he said something like, without doing it the godly way. Like saying, like, without having to, like, have a woman give birth. And he yeah. didn't want to raise... It's, the... it's all very misogynistic, right? Oh, yeah. like, very much. He has womb envy. He mm-hmm. is mad that he can't create life in his body and like he a can't woman. Birth it. And so he so he has, you know, this crazy and they use they kind of brush it off as him being crazy, you know, in the beginning. Um but I'm I'm not sure if he even wants um, you know, glory from the public about it because he's totally willing to operate outside of normal systems to yeah, get Yeah, I think this he done. is a little crazy though. Like he I think is. That, yeah, he's crazy. Like uh, body parts and shit. Yeah. <laughs> he's a good crazy though. No, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I th- I think we've kind of 
hit the nail on the head. He's a great character, though. Like he he is uh, synonymous with this like mad doctor. He's a doctor very interesting kind of. character. Absolutely. So this is one of the, the the reason why I had you guys do this movie is like I've been wanting to do this for a while. Like two things that I've been wanting to do on the show for a while is one get into the 1920s, 30s, you know, uh, Universal monsters and classic mm-hmm. classic horror movies, and two is getting to like the Japanese horror movies. Oh that's my goodness, one thing. I love Japanese horror movies. Well, and that's one thing that I fa- like failed so far to get into, you know, so much. But so you don't have like you don't you've never dug Dracula as a character. No, I like Dracula from what I know. Mm-hmm. I think that it's interesting. I just don't feel like I know enough to speak on. Right. I know a lot of creepypasta monsters, but I feel like as far as movies, like, I don't even think you would. Can you consider Predator a monster? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I was going. That's what I was going to next is that you got these next wave of monsters. Right? Would you consider Which, that a monster? Absolutely. Which you got these next wave. That's why I asked you guys, like, if you thought these stacked up because it's like Frankenstein's a very sympathetic character. But I feel like it does because it's com- there's so much complexity, like, yeah, he's wise and stuff, right? Yeah. But like, yes, he's a sympathetic character. I can sympathize with almost any horror movie character because mm. there's a lot there's a lot to a person. Like you can sympathize with something traumatic that happened in somebody's life. You can be like, right. Oh wow. Terrible that happened to you. Not an excuse that it turned you into a silly like a serial killer. Well where I'm going with that is like this one's sympathetic, whereas these new age of monsters, you know, say what you will about the greatness of Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees you know, Candyman's sympathetic. You That's would why consider that. him a monster. Absolutely, yeah. These are the these are these new age monsters that kind mm. of the, the reason why these universal monsters are not forgotten, but they're kind of you know yesteryear's monsters. You know, but I I personally love them. But the Chucky's, the Freddy Krueger, the Michael Myers, the Jasons. Alien, you know, these absolutely these are very uh, Pennywise the clown. These are very Pennywise. very much the new age of monsters, and they're mm-hmm. they are less sympathetic and more, you know, just kind of like they're mo- yeah. They they almost a lot of them brutal. I should say not all of them, but they all exist to destroy. Uh, <laughs> she said brutal <laughs> with no yeah with no real um, purpose outside of that, um, and to bring pain and you know chaos like that's kind of their purpose. Whereas these older monsters you're talking about they make you feel sorry like you feel sorry for them mm-hmm. like you feel sorry for a werewolf who got bitten mm-hmm. and turned into something they didn't want to be turned into same with a lot of like kind of vampire stories and yeah um and a lot yeah. of like the the wolfman was one of them that and i'm glad you brought that up it was one of them like these these universal monsters are like you said kind of tragic characters and the wolfman in particular is another one where it's like it's it's very uh, thematically rich in that the Wolfman is a stand-in for uh, substance abuse and, like, losing control, you yeah. know, stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know, he literally loses control of himself, and he can't mm-hmm. help it, and he wants to get better and stuff. Creature from the Black Lagoon just wants to be left alone, and he wants, you know, the pretty woman, which, you know, don't we all? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You <laughs> <have> <laughs> <pretty> <laughs> was, see, that was exaggerated. See, that was an exaggerated laugh. Disgusting. But you got somebody like Candyman, which I was like Candyman. a throwback to remember how tragic yeah. he was, you know, in that movie. Um, but yeah, I think we've adequately. Do we want to talk about some of our favorite scenes? I think we've touched think on. We've touched upon on a few, but I think there are a few we haven't. Yeah, covered. yeah. Let's, Kiki, were there any that stood out to you? Um, the scene with Maria was sad. 
What scene with Maria? When she entered the picture. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what she means. What scene? The I'm scene... like genuinely confused. Maria's no. a little girl. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about the woman. I was like. The woman? Are you talking? Oh, like when she was sitting on the couch. Not, not Elizabeth. We're talking Elizabeth. about Maria. The, well, uh, the little never. girl. Mm-hmm. Listen, this is why so many kids fucking died back then. Because their parents would leave them at six years old alone. Not anyway. <laughs> She could have held up the house a little bit better than um, that. But. No. And he was like, just play with your cat. You know, she knows what she's doing. You know, you're fine. Please. Yeah. And then she just saw Frankenstein and she was like, who are you? And just grabbed his hand and she was like, come play with me. Like, that's, he didn't even get to, he didn't even answer. She didn't wait for him to answer. She was like, okay, come on. That's such yeah. a beautiful scene, man. Like when he's messing with the flowers and that's an iconic image. Because it's so, it's like, it's, he's being so sensitive. Mm-hmm. You just... As a viewer, when you're watching it, you're feeling equal parts, like, oh, that's so nice. It's so and sweet. And then equal parts, dread and like fear, something's gonna because happen. you know this ain't going to turn out well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that was a very, the most powerful scene, the a linchpin scene for plot. Um, the whole town wouldn't have, you know, formed a mob and went after him if he hadn't have killed that little girl. Um, not quite in that way i don't think there's something about the innocence of a child you know that yeah, if people like a have grown a person, reaction to yeah well yeah they certainly would have probably hunted him down if he killed an but adult, it wouldn't but... have been it probably wouldn't mm-hmm. have been as quick and they probably wouldn't have done it in like a mob they probably would have been like oh we need to find this guy get the police yeah they wouldn't have all come i don't think mm-hmm. well i mean he killed fritz and nobody gave a shit so because fritz um, was kind of <laughs> he's a hunchback a he's like yeah he was kind of rude to him though he was like he waving was the fire in his him. face like <laughs> he was like where is right. he that was me in the movie wasn't at him. Like, was that your uncle travis in the movie no fritz <laughs> you were the dad you were the dad Henry? with like the monocle who was I? The old man. Oh, I never. <laughs> Just get married already and bring me an he heir to my throne. some children. He was coming up the stairs. She was like, oh, these are just dreadful. And yeah. that reminded me of you, because I feel like you would say that to somebody, like, that just would, kidding. That would totally be Rose. Like, Rose <laughs> belongs in these movies. You belong in these movies. Rose is got the a flair of drama, though. character mm-hmm. in these movies. You're the character that everybody wears on a t-shirt with, like... A little. So you're the monster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the freak. <laughs> no, you're not Fire the freak. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're just like that iconic character that everybody quotes. That's you. The creature. No. Quotes this. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're not just like. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right, well, Trav. What's one of your favorite scenes? Um, the ending. I know that's like fucked oh up to gosh. say, but. It is like it's very powerful because it's like uh, although he comes back and Bride of Frankenstein, it's like uh, to just think about it's kind of like the original Halloween. It's like to think about that ending and then just quitting there. You know, it's it's utterly powerful. It's beautiful at the same time. You know, the burning uh, windmill and stuff like that. Very, very iconic. Mm -hmm. And it's the end of, you know, the monster after he gets, you know, Henry should have fucking died, though. Like, I I think Henry should have died. Or burned alive with him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, not only because he was a jerk, but did you see the way he hit that windmill and then hit the ground? Yeah, that was awesome. He would have been yeah, he's like a rag doll. Yeah. Uh, but I agree, Trav. That was a great scene. Just um, seeing the fear and the panic mm-hmm. of the monster. the monster, not really knowing. Like, but is it even fair to call him like the monster? You know what I mean? Yeah, he's kind of a monster. He has like bolts and shit. 
Okay, he's a creation, but that doesn't make him. He's a, a creature. Yeah, he is a product of his environment. If somebody completely. walked in with bolts out of their neck, we'd be like, <laughs> I wouldn't call him a monster. I'd probably just be like, Dude, what are you doing? Like, the thing is, monster. he he started out gentle. That's mm-hmm. the thing. So he's a product of his environment. Like You're what? Right. Like what do you expect? It's like one of those things where it's like, if someone is treated terribly by their family for years and they're like cooped up in a house and then like 10 years later you find out that they like killed their mom or something and then like on the news they're like the mom never fed her the mom locked her in her room right what you're if probably like, well she's kind of deserved it right you're gonna yeah. be like what well, did you expect there are tons of um case studies of feral children have you guys watched any feral children documentaries like the ones were raised by the wolves and shit uh yeah there's ones like that and then there's um one where this poor little girl um was raised she is kept in the dark in a room strapped to something um for the like very formative years of her childhood um you know rarely given food no no physical interaction or you know love no no one ever spoke to her um, it was a horribly neglectful situation, and um, she came out unable to speak, fearful, like, and there's just, and once you miss out on those formative and, like, really important years for development of, like, your brain and everything, you can't get a lot of that back, um, and you kind of see that with this monster, like, he's neglected, and he's mistreated and abused for so long, kept in yeah. the dark, literally, you know, that's not just you know literally but also metaphorically left mm-hmm. in the dark in terms of no one ever tried to teach him things help him learn grow because his they knowledge are, they had already seen him as a monster before right he had an opportunity to do anything so he's like feral creature running around is, w- operating on instinct you know which is i don't know if i brought this up at the beginning but it, it's different than the novel like he actually does talk he learns how to speak he like uh oh, looks so into like literature and shit like that and stuff like More, that so, uh, so like the book is probably closer or the penny dreadful show is probably closer that version of frankenstein yeah he like kills um and to be fair i've never read the book like i kind of know like where the story goes but you know because it's like so popular and shit but i've just never read it mm. yeah. you know i think i'm going to read it because it no, seems it's, really good it's super good and it's a i think it's pretty well known as a feminist piece of literature so oh, should definitely yeah and that's it. another thing we should touch on is like mary shelley in the past couple of years has become well more than more so more than the past couple of years but like born of a uh philosopher like from a uh, the daughter of a philosopher and a feminist icon you know her parents and she was a like a big feminist herself in her lifetime you know during that period and she was a really big badass like you mm-hmm. know of the like and a lot of people never knew that like because it was like um like early on you know not nobody really knew that a woman wrote frankenstein you know or, i didn't uh, know that right like I'm, I'm talking like in the 1800s it's like nobody really knew and even in this movie in 1931 she's introduced as miss uh her husband's name yeah mrs percy be and it's like shelly yeah yeah it's like it's, it should be mary fucking shelly you know down with the patriarchy guys right and even like um like they did they there's an ongoing comic called mary shelly monster hunter that like focuses on her and like that uh there's a movie also called mary shelly i believe it was bbc that like focus on her romantic background and like just her life mm-hmm. you know as they should mm-hmm 
she deserves it. Yeah, but it's like it's the first example of like a fucking science fiction novel slash horror novel, like mm-hmm. one of the early examples at least. And it's like, you know, she should be like, and she is to be fair, but like not enough. Yeah, I think that's my spiel on. Yeah, that. I agree with you. I agree. I have one before we wrap up. I do have one more scene mm-hmm. that I forgot to mention, but I think it's. A lot of listeners would probably be like, how could they not mention this scene? It's when the father of, Mar- of Maria, the little girl that was Is drowned. carrying her dead yeah, body. Yeah, he car- he's carrying mm. her body through the town. Um, I Just the acting in that scene, I His think, is so, so powerful. Plain. He looked... Heartbroken. He looked broken. He looked broken. He looked in shock. He looked like just like you would imagine a parent who came, like who just found their child dead, like. And he's walking her through town, and so everyone's celebrating because this wedding is about to happen, and you know the whole town. You you hear the transformation from these like, you know, cries of joy to cries of horror when they realize this little girl's dead. And then to the cries of a mob, an angry mob. Mm -hmm. Um, And you see that transformation from when he comes into town to when they go to wherever they went. I don't know if it was like the mayor or the the sheriff or, you know, whatever Germany had at Mm -hmm. the time. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's such a powerful scene. And it is hilarious. It speaks to like, it speaks our human reactions to things, yeah. And our stupid human reaction, if I may say. Because it's like, Everybody's worried about Henry in that moment, but it's like, you should be going after Henry, really. Like, I get right. finding the monster, too, but it's like, Henry fucking created the monster. Yeah, why was he champi- of championed as one, right. of, as one of these leaders and, like... And I think yeah. that's purposeful. Like, I think that is, like, on, the, on James Whale's part. Like, I think, because it does mirror society. You know, it it's like, does. we find a monster, but we don't hold the ones that are truly pulling the strings accountable. And I think something, and I don't know if it was purposeful by the creator of the film or not, but what was unrealistic and very patriarchal view of what that town would have done when a child, an innocent child was killed, mm-hmm. all of the women just, you know, fall to pieces and cry in each other's arms while all the men go out and hunt down this monster. Right. Every, have you ever seen moms on a rampage, moms with a purpose? They fucking come together and they get shit done. And the the mothers of the town cry about something like that, but it's like they wouldn't have collapsed. They would have. They would have, like. You don't know though. Like they they might have like. um, I do know. I feel like that's (laughs) no. I'm saying like it'd be like a killer on the loose, and it's like, okay, Kate, stay at home with a gun and protect Phoebe's. Like that's still a powerful stance. You the know thing what I'm is, saying? they don't show it. They don't show the, right. what the women do in reaction to this at all, other right. than fall apart and cry. Yeah, or faint. no, that's fair for sure. Yeah, and that's just not what women do. For sure, <laughs> especially yeah. they didn't show the, mo- well, the women are very reaction. vengeful creatures. And it's sure. okay. Or anything like that. <laughs> it's like it's like that. It's a it's a trope, right? It's right. A, it's a trope about women, just like when when disaster strikes or crisis happens. And there were like that, a lot of women falling to everybody's feet the yeah. entire movie. Right. Exactly. It's this this trope of you know when crisis hits, women saying, "Oh, like what are we gonna do?" Especially Turning to like men and Elizabeth for running answers. after like, him the entire time. Yeah. No. And like sticking by his side and like, "Oh, woe is me! Oh, don't leave me, Henry! Not for don't Henry! Leave me. <laughs> Not for real for like a whole twenty seconds!" Like she. And even not 20 seconds but like the whole movie she was like she didn't even want to be left alone in a room without him right she was like don't leave me henry don't leave me right. and then as soon as 
Henry leaves. That just so happens to be when Frankenstein would be there and then she needs a savior and she needs rescuing by, again, a bunch of men. Mm. Her dumbass went and was ready to marry a crazy man. Like, that's Loco. on you, Elizabeth. But, um, yeah, we haven't even touched on Victor. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> but mm. I don't know if we have time for it on Victor the this. dad? No, Victor is the best man, best friend who oh. uh, very obviously it barely tries to hide it there's no real secrecy there in my opinion um in the film at least. that he wants elizabeth that he wants elizabeth <laughs> i think that elizabeth is kind of digging on him too you know? <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna pretend that my niece just didn't say that just a little bit just a little bit so i think the time it's time to give your final rating of this movie out of five kiki out of from five? fear street her address is on Fear Street. Okay. Out of five, how many Frankenstein heads would you give this out of five? I'd give it a five, honestly. I genuinely enjoyed it for what it was. Mm-hmm. I really, really enjoyed it. Only piece of criticism that I would ever give. Nope. You are fine. Only piece of criticism that... Not even criticism. The only thing that I wish I would have been able to see is the wedding scene but why because like i feel like that would have been such a great role credits mo- like that would have been a better role credit scene rather than the dad cheersing to hopefully there being a newborn son with a bunch of women around i'm like oh <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> drink the wine <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we're a platter for you so you okay. wanted henry to be happy at the end right no, it would have been great if Henry had died. I'm not going to lie to you. He should have fucking died. He should have died, yeah. but he didn't. With that being said, mm-hmm. if I would have been able to see that rather than a bunch of women catering to an old douchebag, it would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Oh, I feel you on that. Yeah. I'd give it a five out of five as well. Um, just because it's classic. I mean, were there things I didn't like? Yeah, but that's due to production value mm-hmm. and that it was made in the 30s. Like, how can you be mad at it? Like, they didn't have the technology we have now for clean sound and, you know, probably like the way we hear, you know, scores underneath every scene in movies now, that doesn't happen. There's a lot of silence um, in a lot of these scenes, especially transitional ones, that like we've gotten used to the smoothness that having a score underneath like helps with that. Um, but again i can't fault it because it was made in 1930 or mm-hmm. 1931 or something so yeah. like um yeah if that was the only thing you know that i kind of bothered me a little bit was just that's the the quality of the sound but mm-hmm. and i think whatever like, <laughs> one of the uh one of the things that rose brought up when she walked in was like how loud the dogs were and shit which mm-hmm. we were watching it really loud i thought it was good that's probably that on purpose too because it fucking gives you an anxiety attack like while no, you're, I while loved you're it, it so much. I felt like it made it, it was so chaotic. And that was the whole purpose of that scene. Mm-hmm. It was, it's like in movies when you hear screaming and you hear sirens and you hear explosions and you hear gunshots, but you hear it all at once. You're supposed to hear it all at once. You're supposed to feel the chaos. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was intentional. It was extra, but it was intentionally extra. Yeah, and dogs do be extra when their humans get extra. Like, when we start yelling, <laughs> the dogs get all worked up. Like, it's just me. Never, never. Rippers never extra. <laughs> Ghosty. Yeah. So, yeah, this is a five out of five. I don't know how it could be anything less. Like, um, 
just the themes in this movie, like this, the way, the reason this movie stands up so much. And like, I think something like, uh, Bela Lugosi and Dracula, in my opinion, doesn't stand up as much is the themes in this movie. And it's a powerful movie. And the performance of Boris Karloff is just like one of the best in film history, just like not in just horror history, but film history. One thing we didn't mention was, uh, Boris Karloff was in the arsenic and old lace play. Remember, and he didn't, he couldn't do the movie. Yeah, he was he in the play and wanted to do the film, but wasn't allowed. Or Which didn't. I heard that that was like something that like made him like rich. Like, you know, these movies, obviously he was a star, but like being on the Broadway play or whatever uh, for three years or whatever, mm-hmm. like garnered him a lot of money and a critical acclaim and stuff. So just one, another example of Boris Karloff having a lot of range and stuff. Um, but yeah, this movie's so powerful. And I think like if you... I thought that you remembered like Frankenstein as being like a boring movie or whatever. <clears throat> Coughed on Ebar. <clears throat> um, <laughs> go back and revisit it with like a frame and look for themes, you know, stuff like that of these monster movies. Uh, Kiki, Gen Z, dug it. She gives Frankenstein a thumbs up. I definitely liked it. Kiki, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode. We are going to have you back you. very, very soon. Um, I have a book recommendation this week and it's, the Monster Frankenstein, the entire series by Marvel Comics. So this is like a 70s, uh, during the 70s, Marvel did like Tomb of Dracula, Werewolf by Night, Monster Frankenstein. The monsters were big. You know, it was the Hammer series and, you know, all these monsters were coming back. And Marvel did some killer, killer comics. Uh, Tomb of Dracula is actually where Blade comes from. You know, mm-hmm. he, he shows up and he's like, I'll fucking hunt Dracula. <laughs> it's badass. Um but yeah, that's my recommendation this week is this big edition that Marvel put out of the Monster of Frankenstein. But check out all the 70s Marvel uh, creature comics. They're extra, extra killer. Um, that has been Horrifying My Friends. You can catch us on Facebook and Instagram at Horrifying My Friends and on at on Twitter, sorry, at Horrifying MF. Uh, hit me a line at Captain Creature on Twitter and at Travis Ibarra on Facebook. Um, I think that's it for this week. Can I can I take a bite out of my apple? Yeah, take us out with an apple. ASMR. Yeah, hold on. I don't know if this is too close. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on.